Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Good morning, Canvas Church. How are we doing today? Awesome. Hey, grab your Bibles if you would, whether that's a digital one or a paper one. All the middle schoolers, you are free to go to your class. Uh, but get out your Bibles and go with me to a New Testament book of the Bible, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. And uh, we're going to continue our series entitled This Is Us, in which we are looking at the church, not Canvas Church specifically, but the church globally. Um, although we have brought in some aspects of Canvas Church and uh, maybe what makes us who we are, those things are right here on this banner right here. Uh, passionate, restoration, generous, fun, relational. These are just some of the core values that we have here at Canvas Church, really what create the culture uh, in which that uh, we just um, continue to move forward with the vision that God has given us. But ultimately, this series <coughs> is really about the church. What does the Bible say the church is to be? What is the Bible saying about, uh, yes, thank you, the, the church? Now, if you're a note taker in here and you like paper notes, go ahead and shoot your hand in the air because um, we do have paper ones. We about three or four weeks ago. Um, the ushers will get those to you. We started doing paper notes because um, we've been driving everybody to our app. And so if you want uh, a digital version, we got some people up front here too that want the notes, uh, guys up here in the front section. Um, but uh, we have the digital version too. If you want to download our app, just text the word app to 858-943-2221. And uh, you can do the digital version there. But we had some people saying, hey, uh, Joel, right up here. We got some people right here in the second row um, that they wanted the paper version for all of us that are in the 21st century. Come on, somebody. We believe in saving a tree. We'll do the digital version. All right. Um, uh, but I encourage you to take some notes today um, as we jump into our series, This Is Us, again. Uh, last week, I started this message, was unable to finish it. And, uh, and today, we're going to do our best to finish it. Talking about the church. What is the church? Uh, the word in Scripture is the word ecclesia, and it, this is what it means. <clears throat> the word ecclesia means the church. It's a called out group of people. A called out group of people. Nowhere in Scripture, when it talks about the church, is it talking about an organization or, or, or a building, right? Uh, so oftentimes in today's modern world, we hear the church, we think about a building, we think about an organization, but really the church, what the Bible is saying, the church is people that are called out, coming together, meeting together. Our definition here at Canvas Church is this, that the church is imperfect people who have come to seek a God who loves them in their imperfections. Imperfect people. There's no one sitting in here right now that is perfect. And I've, I've heard people say this before, like, like, hey, you should come to church. No, I don't want to go to church. I'm like, why don't you want to go to church? And they'll say, well, because I just, you know, I got some junk going on in my life. And I just, don't, I just don't know if they'll accept me there, you know, because I'm not that good of a person. I'm like, no, that's, that's all of us in church, right? No, that's where you do belong. Yeah, you're jacked up just like the rest of us. Come on, and let's together seek a God who will love us in our imperfections. Listen to me. God does not love people who are perfect. He loves everybody, all right? He loves everybody. The Bible even says that, that Christ came to save sinners. What's that? Christ came because of jacked up people, right? And so that's the church, man. We're just imperfect people seeking a God who would love us in in our imperfections. I've also had people say, though, this to me, like, no, I'm not going to church, Pastor. I said, why? Because it's full of hypocrites. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we are. All right? Let's just be honest. Absolutely. We are. And that's okay, um, because uh, we're going after a God who loves us in our imperfections. That's, that's the church. So we're going to continue our series today uh, entitled, This Is Us, looking at the church. You're in Acts chapter 2. I want to catch us up to where we left off last week. And so I'm going to read you a couple of verses uh, from the book of Psalms. And the great psalmist David wrote this in Psalm 122. 
He wrote, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let me read it again. Psalm 122, verse one. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let me put it in modern day terminology. I was pumped when they invited me to church. Okay, that's what he's saying. He was saying, I was so overjoyed, so excited when some of my buddies said, hey, we're going to church, you wanna come? He was like, absolutely, count me in, I'm there. Which, which makes me wonder, why was David so excited when he got invited to church? Let me ask you this question, don't raise your hand, but when was the last time you woke up on a Sunday morning, you're like, yes, I'm going to church. Hopefully that was today, and hopefully it'll be next Sunday too, right? But see, David understood something. He understood what he wrote about 30 chapters earlier in Psalm 92, verses 12 and 15, that says this. The righteous, now, now who is the righteous? Uh, the righteous is anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says they shall be saved. First Corinthians 5 would tell us that we, those that have called upon the name of the Lord, have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So, so scripture here is actually talking about believers, right? In this context. So he's saying, hey, any of those that are believers, that, that, are, that are Christians, the righteous? Here it says, the righteous thrive. Wow, isn't that a great word? The righteous, they thrive. I mean, that's such a full word, right? Like there's abundance in everything, like everything they touch and, and everything they're a part of, man, it's just fruitful and it's, and it's good. And man, they, they thrive, Right? And then, he, and, then, and then he goes on, he says what they thrive like. And he uses terminology um, that they understood. He says they thrive like a, a palm tree and grow like a cedar tree in Lebanon. And all of us are like, who cares? <laughs> right? Like, like what, what, so what? Like we thrive like what? Well, he was using analogies they understood. And they understood that a palm tree in those days was something prestigious, it was something that was planted in temple complexes and oftentimes planted around rich people's homes. And, and so, man, it meant something. Matter of fact, when, they, when you study out the palm tree to them, they say that the palm tree had about 360 different uses. In other words, the righteous, they thrive like a palm tree. The righteous, man, they are useful for a lot of things. You with me? They thrive like, like the palm tree. And they're just like, ah. And he goes, okay, you're, not, you're still not getting it? Like, they also thrive like the tree, the, the, the cedar tree of Lebanon. They're like, oh, my word. What was the cedar tree of Lebanon? The, the, this, this cedar tree was known to grow about 120 feet tall. And it's said that its roots went down just as deep as it was tall. So now they're understanding something. They're saying, wow, like the righteous, man, they're useful. But not only are the righteous useful, man, they are strong and they have deep Roots, okay? So it describes what, what thriving looks like, but then it goes into this, check this out. It also says the context in which they thrive. This is, this is why they're thriving. Planted in the house of the Lord, and he reiterates it, they thrive in the courts of our God. Think about that. What is David saying? He's saying those that are planted in church, they thrive. And in case you don't know what that looks like, it looks like a palm tree and it looks like a cedar of Lebanon. They thrive. Where do they thrive? They thrive planted. Now remember our definition of church. Our definition of church is not, not, not a, an organization. It's not a building. It's not, a, it's not even just a Sunday morning gathering. 
It is the body of believers. It is the community of believers. That's why the Bible says wherever two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is. It don't matter where we're gathered. If we're gathered together in his name, we the church. Are you with me? I mean, that's why you can be in a third world country and you can gather together, come on, under a tree and you're having church. Come on, you can be in San Diego and you walked into a theater. Come on, we the church. Come on, one day when God gives us our own building, come on, or maybe he'll just give us a tree to gather under. Come on, somebody, right? Either way, we still the church. Why? Because we're coming together because it's a gathering of people together. That's the church. And so he's saying here, here's how you thrive. You thrive when you're in the community. You thrive when you're with, with other, other believers. And know this, it is absolutely in your DNA in your makeup to thrive. It is not in your DNA and your makeup just to barely get by. See, I believe there's too many believers that are just surviving in this spiritual journey. They're just surviving through life. They're just getting through. They're making it, man, man, thank God Sunday's here. Oh man, that was good. But man, I got six days now till the next Sunday. And you just, man, you're just grinding it out and grinding that. That is not God's will for your life. God's will for your life is that you would thrive that you would live an abundant life. That's why the Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, that the thief, that's the enemy, that's the devil, that's the bad guy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But the Bible says that Jesus came that you might have life and that you might have that life abundantly. What is that? That's thriving. That's not just getting by. It is in the very DNA and makeup of who you are to thrive, to conquer. We see this in Genesis chapter one, the very first book of the Bible, the very first chapter of the Bible, verses 26, 27, and 28. What does it talk about? It's talking about us. And it says, come on, that we would be fruitful, multiply, subdue, and fill the whole earth. That's what God wants us to do. What is it? That's a life of thriving. That's a life of thriving. So the question then becomes, if David was so excited to go to church, because he knew what it meant to thrive, to be planted. The question that would become, if we're not joyful and thriving, is it maybe because we're not planted? And so we go to the New Testament, Acts chapter two, taking it through the New Testament filter now, we discover here what it means to be planted. You with me this morning? Acts chapter two, let's look at it together. Let me just set the context up. We're gonna look at verse 41. Uh, Holy Spirit has been poured out now according to scripture. Peter, one of the great apostles, gets up, begins to preach a great message, much like what you hear on Sunday morning. Amen. Okay. And the Bible says that people responded and 3,000 got saved. Wow. So maybe he preached a little bit better than me. Whatever. 3,000 people got saved. And look, look what it says, okay? So he gets up, he preaches. Verse 41. So those who accepted his message, that's Peter who preached, what was his message? It was about Jesus. Were baptized, that's water baptism. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. How do we know they were added and what do they mean by the them? It's talking about the church, the community. They knew they were added or planted, if you will, because of these things. Look at it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What was the apostles' teaching? The apostles' teaching was scripture. Now, up to that point, they had the Old Testament, and they had what we now know as the gospels, the teachings of Jesus. 
And so they would go with that, right? And they would teach. So it's talking about that they gave themselves to the word, to the teaching of the word, to the study of the word. Next, they, they gave themselves to the fellowship. What is the fellowship? That's the body of believers. So number one, they gave themselves to the word. Number two, they gave themselves to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. And number three, and to the prayers. They gave themselves to prayer. Then fear came over everyone and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. Here's the next thing they did, look at it. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had need. Gave themselves to teaching, gave themselves to fellowship, gave themselves to prayer, and fourthly, they gave themselves to generosity. You seen that? They, they, they took everything they had and they said, look, this is our community. These are our people. I have a lot. They don't have much. I'm gonna sell. We're going to have all things in common. They're gonna help each other out. Not relying on the government. Come on, somebody. They're relying on their community together to thrive and to live together. Every day, they devoted themselves to meeting together. Hold up. How often were they together? Some of you are like, bleep, no. Like, I like seeing y'all on Sunday. We worship together, maybe on a small group one other time during the week, but we ain't hanging out every day. <laughs> right? Well, but here you gotta understand the context. They were giving themselves to the fellowship. The only way they could communicate with one another was when they saw each other face to face. We, on the other hand, have multiple streams of communication. Are you with me? We have phones, or most of us do. If not, you have a Facebook with Messenger, an Instagram with chat. Are you with me? You have a way to communicate with somebody. The point isn't that they were together every day. The point is, is that they were in fellowship with one another often. Did I say something bad, Jesus? Why is the light gone? I'm just doing the best I can. Okay, thank you. I repented and he came back. It's awesome. The point is that they were in fellowship with one another. You with me? Here's the context. The context is who's your community? Who are you doing life with? Okay? They gave themselves to that. Temple Club. They broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and humble attitude, praising God and have favor with all people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, I pray that your word would just uh, come and touch us now and speak to us in a life-giving way. God, I pray that as we walk out of here, we would have truly encountered your son, Jesus. We would know your, your, your amazing love towards us and we would begin to comprehend the incredible plan that you have for our life in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Has anybody ever been in a cooking slump before? Does anybody know what cooking is? Right? Like, that used to be a thing. That people did that, right? Like, some of you are like, yeah, Uber Eats, I know what cooking is. Right? Domino's, livers, yeah, totally. I know, I know what cooking is. 
No, no, we're talking about preparing a meal, right? And you actually cook it. You know you're in trouble when you walk into somebody's kitchen and the only cooking device there is a microwave, right? Yeah, cooking slums. I, now, I grew up in a house where we, we cooked meals. Um, let me rephrase that. I grew up in a house where my mom cooked meals. <laughs> and because I was around cooking a lot, I learned how to cook a little bit. My wife would attest this. When I, when I actually do it, I'm pretty good at it. Yeah, Chef Brinkman, you know? But I, I literally, I, so much so, I grew up in a house where we cooked meals that I did not see my first TV dinner. And I say see, not ate. I did not see my first TV dinner until I was a college student. I know some people are like, what? There's other things out there besides TV dinners, you know? True story. I remember one of, my, one of my basketball teammates in college, he grabbed this thing out of the freezer and I was like, what's that? And he goes, that's a TV dinner. I'm like, a TV what? He goes, it's a TV dinner. And I'm like, like you gotta watch TV while you eat it? This is a true story. And he looks at me and goes, are you serious right now? I was like, dude, I've never heard of a TV dinner before. And all of a sudden he rips open the top and I'm like, Whoa! You eat that? Now, some of you live off of teeny TV dinners. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make fun of you, but I looked at that and I'm like, there is no way that is going in this temple of the Holy Spirit. Because <laughs> I don't know what's in that. And I'm pretty sure nobody on God's green earth should be eating that right now. No TV dinners, home-cooked meals. So we do our best to cook meals at our house. <laughs> Sometimes we get into a slump, right? Like, like you, just, you just have to spice it up. Like we have the same six meals every single week. <laughs> Not really, but kind of, right? Taco Tuesday, pizza, whatever. Where I'm with pizza, I don't know. But, you know, we just, we have it, right? And so we got introduced to like these apps. Have you seen those apps where you can like click it and it spins? <laughs> and it's like, it lays out what you're gonna eat. And then you're like, I don't like that one. Hit it again, <laughs> right? Spins again. Well, we uh, recently got introduced to HelloFresh. Anybody ever done HelloFresh? Yeah, I'm not trying to sell you on HelloFresh, but we happen to do HelloFresh, and uh, we're loving this as a family because it's just a change up, you know? But here's the cool part. They send you everything you need to make the meal, and they send you all of the ingredients, and then they give you step-by-step -step instructions, and if you do that, you're gonna have an amazing meal. It's prepared, it's great. Now, here's the reality. If I left a couple of the items out, the meal would still be prepared. It would probably just not taste as good as it should. Are you with me? We have the whole thing laid out. Here's how you make it. Here's what you do. You're gonna have a great meal. Here's what's happening in Acts chapter two. Here's the church. Here's what they gave themselves to. Here's how they lived it out. And because of that, the Bible says that many signs and wonders were happening by the hands of the apostles. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Literally scripture doesn't leave us guessing on what to do. It tells us exactly they were added, and here's how we knew they were added, because they gave themselves to the word, they gave themselves to the fellowship with one another, they gave themselves to prayer, and they gave themselves to generosity. And here's the reality. Just like I can leave an ingredient out, can I get a water? Just like I could leave an ingredient out of that meal, that meal's still gonna happen. It's probably just not gonna be as good as it could have been. You with me? And here's the reality. You and I cannot do all of these things and we can probably still make it through our spiritual journey. And we can probably still make it through life. Matter of fact, listen to what I'm saying. Because I want to bring some clarity. I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm saying. I am not saying that if you are not planted, that you're not a Christian. Not saying that. 
okay? I'm not saying if you're not planted, you don't love Jesus. I'm not saying if you're not planted, you're not going to heaven. That's what, I'm not saying that, okay? Matter of fact, this next part, I'm not even saying, the Bible is. And so you can't get mad at the messenger. You can get mad at the message, but not at the messenger. What I am saying is that if you're not doing these things, you might not be thriving. Because the Bible makes it very clear that it's those that are planted that thrive. And here in the New Testament, we see, here's what it meant, their filter, to be planted. Can you still make it through the journey without doing these things? Absolutely. But listen to me, God's best is not for you to survive. God's best is for you to thrive. And if you wanna thrive in your spiritual journey, if you wanna thrive, here's what you gotta do, you gotta get planted. And in their context, here's what it meant, number one, I shared it last week, so I'm just gonna give it to you quickly. Number one, it meant to be in the word. It meant to be in the word. Are you in the word? Now, not just the word by yourself, there is value in coming to church and studying the word together. There is value in taking what you hear on Sunday and going with your community and, and asking questions and talking it out and fleshing it out. I love it when I hear that, you know, I go over to O's and there's a group of people sitting around talking about the message, fleshing it, working it out. What does that mean in our context? That's what it's talking about here. Now, I've heard people say this to me before. I said it last week, I'll say it again. Pastor, I don't need church. I just need, I just need myself, my Bible, and Jesus. And I just wanna be right up front with you. Yourself, Bible, and Jesus equals weird. <laughs> Pastor, are you serious? Yes, I'm dead serious. <laughs> we need the community because here's the thing. Many times we can read things out of context. Or maybe we're a new Christian, a new believer, and we're just new to this whole thing. And we're reading the Bible and we have questions. It's like, I'm not really sure what that means. That is weird. And then we start, you know, like doing Old Testament things, like growing our hair out, not shaving our beards and, <laughs> right? We need, we, need the, we need the community around us to make sure, hey, are, are we understanding this together properly? Not only that, are we holding each other accountable to live it out? Because yeah. the word is not meant to be just read, it's meant to be lived. Are, are you living out the word? Are you living out, are you living out the word? And so, so the, they gave themselves to that together. The second thing, and you can go back and watch the podcast. I talked a little bit about, more about that last week. The second thing, though, is they gave themselves to community. They gave themselves to, the Bible says, the fellowship. What is it? That's the community. That's together. There is something so powerful about being together. Now, remember, if we're talking about the context of being planted, in order for a plant or a tree to be planted, it's got to be in soil, so in other words, these things that we're talking about are the soil that we are planted in. And that's why it says they gave themselves to the fellowship. They gave themselves to one another because that's the soil. And, and what you're planted in ultimately feeds you and sustains you. I, I had some, oh, here they are. I got some plants. I brought them last week. I know some of them, look, they look a little pathetic. One of them does. It's the ones I had. These are the ones my wife takes care of. Just kidding. And, and here's the thing. This, this plant is in this soil, and it's got to be the right soil. I, I learned something a while ago that there's different types of soil. <laughs> if it's a fast-draining soil, but your plant needs a slow-draining soil, your plant going to die. Right? 
The soil that's planted in is very important. And here it talks about the fellowship. They gave themselves to the fellowship. It's the soil that you're planted in. It's the people that are around you is so, so important. You with me? They gave themselves to. That's why, you know, that's why I talk about um, the importance of, hey, you, you, you'll hear it every single Sunday in some format. And I know some of you, you probably tune it out now. You don't even watch the news anymore because I'm going to talk about the same thing. He's going to talk about the dumb app. <laughs> if you're here for the first time, like I care, I'm not. Like, well, I care about the new people. He's going to talk about small groups or he's going to talk about ministry team. And you kind of tune it out. Why do I talk so much about small groups and ministry team? Is it because I want you to be doing something? No, it's not because I want you to be doing something. It's that I understand the importance of relationship. Listen, people will come and stay at a church for a little while for a lot of different reasons, right? They'll come to church and be like, oh my gosh, the message was incredible. Oh my gosh, the message was incredible. That's better. The worship was amazing. Seriously? I mean, come on, it takes 11 of them to do what one of me does. Come on. I don't know where this stuff comes from. God forgive me. Um, they come for all these reasons. Listen, but you know why people stay? They stay because of relationship. They stay because they were able to connect with somebody else. And now they have somebody to do life with. They have somebody to live out this journey with. And listen to me, that is not just something you need. It's something that the Bible says the church should be a place of community, a place of fellowship, a place where you are doing life together, not just for an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and 40, depending on how long the pastor preaches, that you should be doing on a Sunday morning. It is something you should be giving yourself to. That's why you hear me talk about small groups and that's why you hear me talk about ministry team. It's not because we need you doing things. It's because I understand if you have a friendship, a relationship in your life that when you are down, another brother or sister can come and lift you up. There is value in that and you need that. Listen to how important relationship is. Hebrews, Hebrews 10, I'll just read the, um, the, the last two verses. Verse 24 and 25 of Hebrews chapter 10 in our scripture, it says, and let us be concerned about one another. Let's be concerned about one another. In order, why? In order to promote love and good works. Verse 25, not staying away from our worship meetings as some habitually do. Obviously none of you because you're here, but I know you're looking around right now looking for those people. Oh, yeah. I know who the scripture's talking about. <laughs> Don't stay away from those gatherings, is what it says, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Listen to me, can you get this message on a podcast? Yes. Can you worship in your car to a worship set list? Absolutely. But can you get relationship by doing that? No. Do not forsake those opportunities when you can come together because there's so much value in relationship. Amen? Yeah. Let me just give you a couple more verses here because this is your soil. This is so important. And I said it last week. Man, you should church where you friend and friend where you church. What am I saying about that? Does that mean you shouldn't have friends outside of the church? No. 
What I'm saying is, is this is your church. Build some relationships so you have each other and you can pray for each other and you can lift each other up. You can encourage one another and love one another, right? Let me give you some more verses here. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron. So a friend sharpens the countenance of his friend. You can't be sharpened unless you're around somebody. Get around people. Here's another one, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. I know this is taking it from a different approach, but listen to this one. And some of you think this is just a, like a saying, but it's actually a verse. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, bad company corrupts good morals. <laughs> What's that talking about? It's talking about the soil. If you're planted in the wrong soil, eventually you're gonna bear that fruit. That even the best of people with the best of morals, man, they could be, you're around the wrong company, you're planted in that soil, eventually it's gonna corrupt. Proverbs 13, 20, there's this one. The one who walks with the wise will become wise. The one who walks with the wise will become wise. About four or five years ago, I started giving myself to this pastor's round table with one of the smartest pastors I've ever met in my life. He happens to have a great church right here in, in Vista, California. I'm not gonna tell you which one because I don't want you to leave our church and go. Um, <laughs> But man, about, about four or five years ago, I started giving myself to that. And every six weeks we get together. And I'm telling you, man, just being around this person has made me better. And who you're around, who you're with. If you're with wise people, you become, become wiser. But the Bible says, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Wow. This is old saying. It says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That, that whole thought, it comes from scripture. Who's your community? Plant yourself. Build relationships. It's your soil. Thirdly, they gave themselves, the Bible says, to prayer. They gave themselves to prayer. This is, this is not just individual prayer, and you should do that. Uh, once again, prayer in its simplest form is us having a conversation with God. But, but the Bible makes it very clear, wherever two or three are gathered together, there he is. But it also says, whatever two or three agree upon in prayer, it shall be done. In context here, it's not just talking about, oh yeah, just hey, when you're out and about life and you're doing life, man, make sure you're praying. It's talking about coming together in prayer. Now here's the great thing. That doesn't just mean that we gotta be in the same room together praying. It means that we gotta be in agreement together, praying Together, I, I, I believe this all in my heart, that a church that is focused on one purpose and prayer, man, can accomplish anything. If we come together as a church, man, we're focused in purpose and we focused in prayer together and we believe with one another. Man, even, even in those moments where our faith might be a little weak, but we're praying together for something, somebody else's faith might be high, man, we're gonna see it come to pass. But I believe that a church that prays together, man, cannot be stopped. And so here's the thing. We, we have Saturday morning prayer. We have Sunday morning prayer. Listen, I know people's schedules are busy. It's not about necessarily being in the same building, praying together. It's about being in agreement with one another, praying together for the same thing. So when your pastor says something like, hey, man, your pastor's believing for a building. Oh yeah, I bet he is. That'd be great, wouldn't it? I have a building, you know? No, but you're like, yeah, Mike, I can rally behind that. Let's do that. Let's believe together for a building. I had a young couple getting married come up to me this morning, gave me a card. 
And they said, hey, we found out that we can do charitable uh, donations. And so one of the things that we want to do is show, we want to, we want to give towards the building. I'm like, can we multiply you times a million? Powerful, right? You know, those are people that have come like, man, I can't be at every prayer meeting. You know what I can do? I can rally behind that. I can pray and believe with my church that we're going to have a building. We got, we got Legacy Sunday coming up. Now, what a powerful thought, right? We're going to come together. We're going to give together. What if we took the time to pray leading up to that and prayed together and say, man, what could we accomplish as a community? Now, who's that person in the church that has an emergency debt? Now, let me just specify what emergency debt is. Emergency debt is not you went shopping uncontrollably and spent $10,000 on your credit card. But pastor, I just had to have the outfit. No, you didn't. Emergency debt is, man, you know, something tragic happened. I got in an accident. Didn't plan it. <laughs> it's an accident. And, you know, I got some medical bills that are out of control. And I'm doing my best to pay those off and bring that on Legacy Sunday. But what would happen if we prayed as a community leading up to that Sunday? God, who are we going to bless? Man, who's going to, man, let's, man, we can bless two children that are in need. And, man, that church that's planting in downtown, what if we prayed together, unified? Man, there's something so powerful that happens. I believe with all my heart that a church that prays together cannot Cannot be stopped. Cannot be stopped. We had a, we had a, a mom uh, uh, reach out to us uh, via Facebook, Facebook Messenger. Several of the pastors and executive leadership team, I saw their names, they're all the same, has reached out and said, hey, my son is not doing good. He's been in the hospital. This is an update on what's taking place. And man, to see the response of our team, say, hey, we're praying right now. We're believing right now. And man, all of a sudden the church came together and was praying. And the next response, I think it came in late last night or early this morning, my son is going home for the first time from the hospital. Come on. What is that? Listen, because I'm telling you right now, there are some times when you are walking through something that you just praying isn't enough. Man, you need the church praying with you. Who's your community that you get together with? Man, and that you pray and you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ together. And you begin to, this is how I fight my battle. Some, some of you are getting into that one. I saw it. Aren't you glad you came to church? I was into it. This is how I fight my That's me dancing. Right? But see, some of you don't realize that that big spotlight back there, I can see your shadow. And I see you. This is how I fight battle. Yeah. This is how I fight my battle. I see it. I can see the shadow. Like, oh, yeah, they're getting into this. Yeah. How do we fight? We can fight together in prayer, seeking God. Man, it's so powerful. So, matter of fact, let me, let me give you this verse. I'm just going to give you one snippet of it. And it's in Acts chapter 12, verse 5. Acts chapter 12, verse 5. The great apostle Peter, man, got thrown in prison for, 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 for telling people about Jesus. Peter's in prison. Listen to what it says, Acts 12, 25. And it says, so Peter was kept in prison, but, everybody say but. That wasn't everybody. Everybody say but. But prayer was being made earnestly to God for him by who? The church. Peter's in prison, but the church is praying. Peter is on lockdown. He can't get out. He is there. But there was a church that believed in the power of prayer. And if you go on and you read the story, man, the church is praying. They're together in a house and they're fervently giving themselves the prayer. And all of a sudden, man, the presence of God shows up in that jail cell. So much so, Peter's not sure if this is really happening or if this is a dream. What's happening right now? All of a sudden, like, 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 like the guards, they fall asleep. Chains come off Peter. Door swings open. The Bible says that Peter walks right out. 
And he walks down the road and he walks to the church that's praying and he knocks on the door. That's him knocking. And all of a sudden, a girl comes up, peeks out, is like, ah! Goes back, and they're like, who was it? Like, it's Peter's ghost. It's Peter's what? It's Peter's ghost. Really? Think about that for a minute. The church was praying, and they didn't even have faith for what they were praying for. So much so that when Peter shows up, there's no way that could be Peter. It's got to be his ghost. They killed him. And that's his ghost that showed up. No, it was really Peter. But you know what that tells me? That tells me that when we come together and pray together, even if one of us doesn't have enough faith to really believe for it, but man, the community together praying and rallying together, whatever two or three agree upon in prayer, it will be done. Peter was on lockdown, outside of his control. Listen, you might be sitting here right now and you're saying, I'm not in prison. No, you might not be in prison, but what has you on lockdown today? What circumstances, what things are you walking through that are outside of your control? And man, you need a community that will pray with you. You need a community that will pray for you. You need a people. Man, you might be in lockdown, but the church is praying. Man, this circumstance doesn't look good, but the church is praying. Man, my health, it's going through a lot, but the church is praying. Man, a praying church. I'll never, I'll never forget this couple sitting right over here. Chad and Kaylee serving on the, on the worship team. And I can share this because they shared it on Facebook, which means the whole world knows. <laughs> Unable for years to have a child. But the greatest cry of their heart was to want to have a child. Prayed for them many times. They'd come to uh, Katie and I and say, hey, would you pray for us? This is what's going on. But I'll never forget the moment, not that long ago. I think it was after a team night. They came over and grabbed myself and my wife, Pastor Brandon, Pastor Melissa, and Jeff and Christy. Said, here's where we're at. This is what's going on. We want this baby. And man, we began to pray. We began to, man, I, I'm telling you, there wasn't a dry eye by the time we got done. Man, we prayed together. And I don't know why at that moment, I don't know what took place in the heavenlies, but God heard the cry of the church. And in three months, this couple is gonna have their very first child. The church and the church praying together. Man, who, who are, are, you, are, are you planted? Listen to me. You can make it through without it. You can survive. But God doesn't want you to survive. He wants you to thrive. Who's your community that's praying with you? Get, get planted. Lastly, the Bible says that, and the, the worship team could come. Lastly, the Bible says they gave themselves to Generosity. So much so that the things they held, they said, you know what, this isn't even mine. They recognized, according to Deuteronomy, that God is the one that gave them power to get wealth. That, that their ability to work and provide for their family wasn't because of them, it was because that the, they were empowered by God to get wealth. And they realized that so much so that they said, hey, this is our church, this is our community. Someone else is in need. We got abundance. Let's give. Let's give. And you know what? I've been in church long enough to know this. Man, a lot of people, man, I love the word, pastor. It's great stuff. Man, fellowship, I go to a small group. I love my group. Maybe you can't make the group. Man, I know, but I hang out in the lobby and I'm connecting with people. Man, I love fellowship. Prayer, oh yeah. Yeah, I pray. I'm sure what the Bible says in Matthew. 
chapter 6, verse 21, it says, for where your treasure is, that's finances, by the way, treasure, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Listen to me. The Bible, the, the, listen, the church throughout the Bible, throughout whether it's Old Testament talking about the, 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 the followers of Jesus, meaning the children of Israel, or whether it's New Testament believers, Christians, has always been marked with generosity. Always. The Bible talks about a principle called tithing. It's actually the key, the gateway to a life of generosity. It says where your treasure is, where your, where your giving is at, that's where your heart really is. That's where your heart really is. That's where your heart really is. Where your treasure is. They said, you know what? This isn't ours. This is his. Come on, let's give. Let's be generous and help one another out. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Now the first couple I talk about, yeah, they start talking about the treasure. It's kind of like, ah, ah. my treasures. Now Jesus says that he's building his church. He is building his church. Now I've heard people say, I don't give, Pastor, because I don't believe, I don't believe in corporate church, or I don't give because I don't know what the church is doing with the money. That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to do what the Bible says, to be generous to give it, to release it. And then what happens after, that's not on you. You do your part. But not only that, when, when people talk to me and say, Pastor, I, I love God, I just don't love the church, that, that really doesn't work. You can't love God and not love what he's doing. And the greatest thing he's doing on the planet is building his church. That, that, that'd be like me, and I don't know how many baseball fans we have in here. I'm not a huge one, but that'd be me like saying, I love the Padres, but I hate baseball. It doesn't work. He's building this church. That's us. He says, hey, you want to be planted in that? Then give yourself to the word. Give yourself to fellowship. Give yourself to prayer. And give yourself to generosity. You don't have to do those things. But if you want to thrive, this is what it looks like. Do that and watch your spiritual journey ramp up and go to a whole new level. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. God, we thank you that this morning we can uh, have time together to learn from one another and learn together in your word. And God, I ask right now that you would take everything that we've talked about this morning. And God, for the one that isn't quite getting you yet, you'd make it applicable to their life. And they would walk out of here with a greater understanding of what it means to be planted in a fellowship believers. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.